Welcome to the Intertidal Talks podcast. I am Kendra, marine biologist and your host. This podcast is meant to teach, inform, and entertain you about all things marine science and conservation. If you are a marine scientist or advocate with a story to share, you can contact me at intertidaltalks at gmail.com. Want to join our marine science community? Join us at patreon.com slash kendi underscore marine bio. episode. Last episode is about college and this one we're going to talk about captivity and shark sharks kept sharks in captivity specifically. We'll probably touch on other animals. Yeah, I mean we'll probably touch on just like cetaceans in general because that's the one most commonly brought up, but focusing more specifically on species of sharks. Yep. Um so I will how about you share your background with sharks and shark research? For sure. Um, so at the University of Tampa, I worked really closely with one of my professors, Dr. Daniel Huber, who works primarily with shark biomechanics. Um, and the project that we were working on was looking at hammerheads, their hydrodynamics in the water, cost efficient, cost energy efficiency, that sort of thing. Um, and so doing research with that. And then I now currently work out in Oahu with One Ocean Diving, where we not only take people out to see the sharks, but we're also actively working in research with them um, in both population dynamics as well as weather to behavior correlation to sort of get a better understanding of what conditions may affect the sharks on the North Shore of Oahu. So you are our shark expert for the day. <laughs> for the day. <laughs> for the day. Um, so this came to mind because I went to the aquarium this last weekend with my niece and there was a one, their tank was definitely small for the amount of sharks that they had. It was sandbars, some nurse sharks. I think there was a leopard shark in that tank and then sand tigers. Um, and one of the sand tigers had a very pronounced hunched back. Um, and not like definitely super abnormal looking. And I thought about the blog that you have posted. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, um, after the news of Georgia Aquarium finally opening their new shark exhibit, which is something they've been working on for a while now, um, I decided to take to the internet and share a little bit um, about sort of my positions on captivity, what I have personally experienced and what people I've worked with um, have also experienced. And one of the big ones in reference to kind of what you're talking about is with sand tiger sharks or another common name for them as the gray nurse shark. Um, the professor that I worked with really closely and the ment my mentor through college worked um, with a different aquaria, the Florida Aquarium in Tampa as well as SeaWorld and a couple other facilities in the state of Florida in the mid to late 2010 era, um, studying sand tiger sharks and the spinal deformations and abnormalities that were being caused by their use and their swimming patterns in tanks. And so essentially what they found is that because these sharks essentially were swimming in a constant circle around the tank, their spines were deforming or essentially becoming curved 
in the direction that they were swimming around the tank in. And so their research was one, determining where that trauma could have come from. Um, they believe majority of it is from that irregular swimming behavior. It could also have been induced during capture, potentially nutritional deficiencies associated with life in captivity. Sharks have a relatively good diet when it comes to captive sharks. They're probably eating far more regularly than they would actually out in the wild for one. Um, but they were looking at if any of those led to potential spinal abnormalities or issues within the sharks. And essentially, um, what they ended up finding is that a lot of it had to do with the pattern that they were using to swim through the water. And so he worked very closely with a lot of the aquaria to sort of design their tanks in more of a figure eight shape. So that way the sharks would be able to curve in both directions, essentially hopefully trying to even out that curvature in the spine that they were seeing from constantly swimming in a circle. And so that's one of the ones that a lot of people either don't know about or when they hear about it are pretty shocked and surprised to hear about. Um, but that's kind of what leads, I guess, into sort of what we're talking about when it comes to issues with keeping sharks in captivity, um, specifically when it comes to non-benthic species yeah. or non-bottom dwelling species. Um, I worked at the Florida Aquarium for a little bit as a volunteer. Um, and so we were an aquarium that did have sharks. Um, majority of the shark species that we held were either the sand tiger sharks, we did have a nurse shark, and we had a couple of bamboo and cat sharks. Um, personally, I do not fully have any issue with captivity. Um, I definitely think there are pros and cons to it. There are certain species that I absolutely believe should not be in captivity, um, specifically more highly intelligent animals such as your cetaceans, and then highly migratory or pelagic environment animals yeah. like some sharks. Um, personally, I think there are species of sharks that you can hold relatively easily in captivity without any major health issues associated or well-being issues associated. Uh, things like nurse sharks, bamboo sharks, those species that are able to buccal pump or to ram ventilate. Um, where they can sit on the bottom and they're not constantly having to move to breathe. Those are species that maybe wouldn't be as much of an issue in terms of well-being of the animal to keep in captivity as they're not having to be kind of like confined into a smaller space. Yeah. Um, but species like the sand tigers, they are one of probably the most common species that you see in aquaria because they're relatively easy to take care of. Um, they are kind of a slow moving shark as well. So if you're looking at a spectrum of highly migratory to less migratory, when it comes to those still active swimming sharks, sand tigers are probably on the lower end of that spectrum and out of like compared to something like a tiger shark, probably a better option yeah. um, or like a great white or mako or something highly pelagic, highly open ocean. Um, but that being said, there obviously are still some issues associated with it. Yeah. I feel like one of the, uh, like my biggest hangups with shark, cause I, I worked at a zoo. So like I've also worked with captive animals. Okay. Um, I believe there's more nuance and that you can't, you can't or shouldn't just say yes or no to everything. Like all captivity is yeah. bad or all captivity is good. 
For sure. And I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that, I mean, like we talked about in our previous episode, we both were heavily influenced by things like SeaWorld and wanting to become marine biologists. Um, and so I think it's irresponsible or it doesn't prove a good point when you completely ignore the positive things associated with zoo and aquaria in terms of education and public outreach. Yeah. Um, we so they like definitely still can do a lot of great work. Yeah. Um, and I do believe that there is a place in science and in conservation to still have zoo and aquaria where people can experience the ocean or wildlife of any kind um, in order to sort of fall in love with it and want to, to have those animal ambassadors essentially for either the field or for the environment or whatever it is. Um, but obviously there are issues with keeping some animals in captivity. And so I think when it comes to something like sharks or like we talked about those cetaceans or highly more intelligent animals like mammals there's definitely some gray area when it comes to is it or is it not okay and what conditions are best to keep those animals in yeah i had the funny interaction on facebook silly facebook the other day someone in like a marine biology group was like made a com like made a post that was like i know we don't all like aquariums here or like that as it basically was kind of making this point that as marine science people we shouldn't like aquariums but that they went to one and I left a comment and I was like it's kind of um, hypocritical of a lot of us to say we'd be against captivity when I worked in the lab where we kept animals captive and right. would go actually we had um, permits to actively capture in Hawaii um, and collect yeah, yeah we collect so yeah we'd go collect species mostly just um, either any kind of research specimen we had special permits to collect corals every now and then mm -hmm. that we mainly did for research. Those were not just stony corals are awful. Just right. So don't recommend it. Um, but like we regularly go get stuff um, to keep a stock. Um, but it was, I kind of, I replied with that comment and other people were like, yeah, like same, like it's, it's, there's so many nuances, like research specimens, those are caught or bred because there are species that can breed plus sure. like, we learn a ton from like big aquariums yeah and I think that is kind of the tough spot when it comes to aquariums right because we've actually learned quite a lot about organisms from aquaria whether it be how to care for them or just in general things about their biology that maybe we wouldn't have been able to understand had we have only been observing them in the wild or had access to. Um, and so it is, it is hard. I mean, it's, it's definitely, there's not a black and white answer as to all captivity is okay and no captivity is okay. No. Um, and I think for me personally, it comes down to intelligence and like, is their lifestyle suitable to a captive environment? Um, and I think, it's hard too because now we live in such a day and age where there's so much technology that can allow us to still experience things like dolphins, sharks in aquaria without actually having to hold the animal in aquaria mm -hmm. or in a captivity environment. Um, so, I mean, it is this sort of like hard black and white area. Um, a lot of it comes down species to species. Obviously like we kept sharks at the Florida Aquarium um, most of our species were benthic dwelling species, or at least species that could buccal pump or ramventilate and that sort of thing. Um, and 
for those of you guys that don't know what those terms mean, it's just to be able to actually sit on the bottom and maintain breathing instead of having to actively swim. So most of our species were that way, um, other than things like the sand tiger sharks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard because you want to give people the opportunity to learn about them, but at the same time, keeping the animal's well-being in mind. And we know a lot more now, like fish can actually feel pain and that sort of thing than we originally did when captivity initially started. I feel like one thing um, that uh, I would say definitely plays a factor is how the animals are brought into captivity. Because nah, that's a big thing in the aquarium trade too. Yeah. We would end up also buying fish and we would, um, we kind of learned this um, through experience, but there are species that are fully bred in captivity, you could say are more the domesticated fish, um, that you're mm -hmm. not impacting the wild populations, biodiversity, whereas a lot of these um, animals like sharks, um, groupers, all those kinds of fish and wildlife you're having to catch because there is no breeding stock in the aquarium trade. trade you are, yeah. I mean, we don't always, we don't really know for a lot of species. We don't have great data to really give a good number of how their populations are doing. Like panther groupers is one. I love our panther grouper that we had in our lab, but we don't know a lot about them as a species. Right. They do not breed at all in captivity and we don't really know how they're doing in the wild. There is an idea that they might be threatened because yeah. cream trade. Cream trade and other things. And, but we bought one, so we accidentally contributed. Um, right, well, and I think too, a lot of it comes with like becoming more educated about like where things are coming from. And I think that's the hard thing. Um, and one of the issues, when I initially wrote that blog post kind of about the Georgia Aquarium and about their new exhibit focused on sharks. Um, and I've been to the Georgia Aquarium prior to this exhibit being in the works. Um, it's definitely one of those things that I would recommend you go and see once in your life because it is a spectacular facility in terms of aquaria and zoo and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, do I have problems with some of the animals that they keep? Of course. <laughs> um, but my bigger issue, at least moving forward with the current project that they have, and I can't speak to fact because I only have hearsay to tell me where these animals came from. Um, I had a source that used to work at the Georgia Aquarium that spoke to me about it. I reached out to the Georgia Aquarium, never heard back. Um, whether that just means they chose not to answer, they never saw my um, request for information, who knows. Um, but apparently the sharks that they were planning to put in this exhibit were coming from like places like Florida. Um, where they were cap catching them out in the wild and bringing them in, which is quite honestly, unfortunately, a pretty common thing. Not as much for U.S. facilities, but like Taiji is still happening all the time for the cetaceans. Yeah. Um, and for those of you that don't know what that is, uh, it's basically a slaughter and capture of wild dolphins and cetaceans in Japan, both for the aquaria trade and for like meat slaughter. Um, it's a really, really awful practice. If you want to learn more about it, go watch like something like the Cove. Um, but super, super sad that it still goes on all the time. Um, and so for me, again, that's kind of where I find issue with a lot of captive stuff is when we're affecting those wild populations. Um, it is hard because obviously, like you were saying, like with something like our panther grouper and things like that, some species do not breed in captivity. And so if you want to hold that animal 
in Aquaria, you have to bring it in from the wild. Um, personally, I have a little bit of an issue with that, depending on the species and how well their population is doing, obviously. Um, the struggle it gets into is when they're affecting wild populations to the point where they're not able to reproduce at healthy numbers. Yeah. I know um, I went to the Maui Ocean Center like a year and a half ago, and they have a juvenile tiger shark on display, um, and they have all their kinds of sharks and all their fish. Mm -hmm. They catch right there, and then every year, I think, they basically release all the fish they have in the shark and then catch new ones, mm -hmm. essentially do something like that, where they catch acclimate, keep on display for a bit, and then return everything back, and then recatch new ones. Which I thought was interesting. It's an interesting system in theory, yeah. because I am, I mean, at some point that tiger shark is going to get too big. Yeah, and that's what, they basically like wait till they like are a bit too big and then they return them. And so, I mean, the thing with sharks is I don't think there's as much of maybe that like behavioral conditioning as maybe what happens with like cetaceans. Um, mainly just because sharks, although very highly intelligent, it's more of like an instinctual intelligence I always compare it to versus like a more emotional intelligence like a mammal has. Mm -hmm. um, at least that we know of. So although in theory that sounds great, who knows how well those animals are surviving surviving once released back yeah that was my thought it seems problematic to go back and get a whole new set every yeah, couple was, of years i mean i've i've caught fish and some animals don't even make it past just the night you get them like we usually yeah. catch at night just because it's a little bit easier mm -hmm. um and we don't really want people watching us go yeah. out and collect fish because we don't want to encourage that behavior at all so whenever we go do it for our university we would do so at night well unless if, if people don't understand that you have a scientific permit mm -hmm. it doesn't look great yeah we can also get reported you don't want to encourage that behavior from just anyone yeah and then we have to like pull it out and be like we are permitted to do this and um but like some fish some animals fish like whether fish invertebrates whatever won't even survive the night um and then there's also, so like that was one thing I thought is like, how many fish do they catch that don't make it? How many fish when they release yeah. don't make it? Cause then they are just like reacclimated to the wild um, for some of the sharks. And I don't know fully with behavior, but if you're there for, if sharks are there for like a year and however long being fed pretty regularly, like how does that, I don't remember if they said that they would end up like introducing live food to induce hunting but it's like yeah. how used to just being fed regularly and will they, they adapt once they're released or are they gonna approach people and just be a more dangerous liability that they are now used to like oh a person they fed me and kind of go wander yeah i mean they're smart animals i think they have the capability to learn studies have shown that like juvenile lemon sharks have learned like how to get food from researchers. Yeah. You know, they, they'll like target that. some sharks. At yeah, and you can target train and stuff like that. So it's not that they're stupid. Like they're very intelligent um, to the point where you can not necessarily train them the same way you can train a dolphin, but you can still train basic skills from them. 
So potentially, yeah, that could have an effect. Um, would be interesting to see a, like a long-term study post-release. I don't know how you would do that other than like tagging and potentially trying to find that animal again, yeah. um, which could, I guess, skew your results if you're inducing more human interaction with that animal. So hard to kind of say. Um, I know that though, like there are parts of the world, like for example, in Tiger Beach, where they chum for shark dives all the time, the sharks still migrate away for a part of the year and come back. Um, so it's hard to say like how much instinct versus training actually like kicks in for them, you know? Yeah. Like I'm sure there is still some instinctual thing within them that will override certain things. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to say. I think for me, like, that's just an interesting system. I don't see where that can, like, provide a long-lasting solution. It's like greenwashing for an aquarium, if that makes any sense. Yes. Like, it seems... Like, it feels like we're doing a great thing by eventually... We're just holding them temporarily. Yeah. It is a really cool aquarium. Like, truly. It was great, and they, they have a whole thing about why they don't hold any cetaceans, which one it's, it is now, well, it's illegal on Maui, it's only illegal on every island, we know Oahu and Big Island both have dolphin facilities, mm -hmm. um, but on, on Maui it is illegal, so they have a little, like, they have a dome where you can watch, like, a humpback whale um, presentation, where it mm -hmm. looks like they're swimming around you, yeah. and they have a sign outside as to why they don't hold cetaceans captive, they believe it's wrong, um, which is good, but and, and I think there is like a that is kind difference. of like yeah, and I think that is right now kind of what we're seeing a little bit more of is people have focused very heavily on cetaceans and their use in captivity, which is not to minimize that movement. Um, yes. But I think when you're talking specifically about sharks, a little bit of it comes from the fact that people are, I mean, with fish in general, people assume that they can't feel pain, that they are stupid, that they have a two-second memory, you know. Yeah, they're like, um, yeah, and so I think, unfortunately, a lot of, like, the issue comes with that sort of mindset, and people just maybe not understanding, like, how intelligent they really are, yeah. um, and the general public not seeing as much of an issue with it because of those reasons. Yeah. Um, so desensitized from the animal already. For sure. And I think, I don't know, it's hard because it's like, it is this sort of gray area where I think that there are some species of sharks, like bamboo sharks. I'm like, sure, keep them in captivity. They sit on the bottom all day long. They hardly ever move. It doesn't really, they're parthenogenic. So they basically produce eggs. The females produce eggs without even having to mate with males. Um, I think those ones, they, they do, they will breed in captivity, like, yes, they do. When you go to SeaWorld, they will have the egg cases on display, mm -hmm. the, the little touch tanks. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, like, by all means, keep a population and leave the wild. Yes. Um, it's sad to see things like tiger sharks, even like sandbar sharks, which are kind of like a pelagic and coastal species in a way. But just it's 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 hard to see animals that like we work with on a daily basis that like I know their behavior, and so it's hard to see sandbar in a tank from me. 
now. Yeah, like after seeing them in the wild, it was hard to kind of imagine like their life in a tank. And you could say that, I guess, about any animal, right? Like after seeing a nurse shark in the wild, how could you keep this animal in captivity kind of thing? And that's definitely an argument that a lot of people make. Um, but I think there is an important, I mean, it, it's one of those things, I think there is an importance in having zoo and aquaria. Um, unfortunately, we didn't start out doing it the right way. And so now we're kind of in like reform mode where we're trying to fix this like system that already exists in a way. Um, I don't know if there's books about that, like Cat Former Captivity, but there's a great book about the beginning of killer whale captures in North America called Puget Sound Whales for Sale. And it's a really easy read. I definitely recommend it for anyone who wants to learn the history of whale captures because everyone, we kind of know the results. Like, yeah. And I mean, it used to be like almost admired in a way. Oh, like, yeah. People were like, these sea cowboys, heroes of the ocean, capturing these whales for us and yeah. our enjoyment, you know, like it was very um, sort of washed over, you know, people were like, I don't know, is that idea like, and to be fair, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of what we've learned in captivity has sort of proven why captivity is not maybe a great thing. Yeah, that's like the one, th I think um, there's another book called Beneath the Surface by John Hargrove, who mm -hmm. was a SeaWorld trainer, he's in Blackfish. Um, he's not a great person, but his book is amazing. <laughs> um, like, it's it's an amazing book. I don't like him as a human, but he did write something great. But he shares um, that, that whole thought. He's like, if we've learned one thing from captivity is we shouldn't be keeping cetaceans in captivity. And I yeah. feel like we've learned that with, like, those like great white sharks, Monterey Bay Aquarium had great whites. We learned from keeping- We tried a couple times before we finally were like, oh wait, it doesn't work. Yeah, and I, I mean, the great white is a great example of it's not possible. Yeah. You know, like it's a great example. I mean, and I'm sure people will continue to try and advance technology in order to attempt to keep those animals in captivity. Um, Hopefully they will continue to fail, but um, definitely people can still continue to try, you know? Um, and so I think the great white is kind of a great example of we, we, we can't do it. And I think just because we can keep things like tiger sharks somewhat successfully and I say somewhat because I'm sure it's not all that successful. It's kind of testament to the fact that like, maybe there's some species that we should maybe not do this with. Well, yeah, that was kind of like my point is, um, so like, I feel like the issue comes if a species doesn't like die off fast enough, they think it's successful and they'll keep them. And one of those is like whale sharks. Yeah. Um, is. Because recently the Georgia Aquarium had one pass away. Yeah, they had the one, they've had three, but like whale sharks really don't have a long lifespan at all in captivity. The no. first um, captive record for a whale shark survived 122 days. And they keep catching, um, and then the story is worldwide much the same as Georgia Aquarium living less than three and a half years. And most of the facilities that do that are in Asia that are living 
um, less than three and a half years. They do the lifespan at Georgia Aquarium, but they're still nowhere near the wild lifespan. I don't think we've. Yeah, well, I think the one that just recently died was introduced in 2005. Mm-hmm. And so, what, that's like 15 years I was or say, something? I think 15 was what I had heard. Which sounds like this really long time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Like, that's not even close to a normal lifespan for those guys. But that's long for us. And what we kind of, our little brains think of for animals, like our dogs. 15 is a dog. Yeah. I think we kind of have that same, even like fish live forever. Some fish species, like our grouper, um, Pongo, the panther grouper, he can live for like six years, which is super long for what our fish, for what our facilities used to. We're very used to fish that kind of come and go, a bit daintier. And then like I worked with birds and people, people a lot, I feel like a lot of people know birds live for a long time. Birds live for a long time. Yeah. And we'd get them yielded to us because people were like, oh, like I've had it yeah. for 10 years and I don't want it. It hasn't died yet. Yeah, like, mm. but like, yeah. there's such like, I guess, I wouldn't say it's like the convenience culture of humanity, but kind of, it's like, oh, they live long. Yeah. It's convenient that people are like, oh, they live forever. Like, oh, I've seen the same whale shark. Then they die. Oh, so sad. And then we'll get another one. Yeah, get another one. Or we have these two others here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard in the sense that it is. It's not like there's no easy answer. Um, and I guess that's what we kind of keep like circling back to is that it's certain stuff. It depends on the person too. Like I know people that are like absolutely no way not gonna happen no yeah you know and then there's other people that are like you or myself or like kind of in the gray area you know like certain things i'm okay with certain things i'm not and then you have other people that are like eh, it's totally fine whatever yeah um like species i i do like draw a line like Tiger sharks. I really don't like whale sharks in captivity. Me either. Especially with all the, like, we know that they're not living anywhere near. And, like, yeah. I think someone told me once, they were like, oh, there's this job at the Georgia Aquarium where, like, as a diver, you have to get in and, like, push the whale shark the other way because they just swim in one circle. And they, they were like, that's so cool. And I was like, that's so sad. Yeah. It's heartbreaking that they literally have to get someone in there to, sh- like, push the animal because they just sit for like days right. it's the same just maybe changing depth and just circling yeah like that is very sad, sad. But i don't think that's a fun job i would be very no. sad as a diver having to go shove a whale shark yeah and there's i like, mean yeah it's just hard because there's like there's value to experiencing those sorts of things right yeah. um and as someone like you were saying like you didn't you weren't lucky enough to have a ton of experience of your own in the ocean prior to like moving out here or out to Oahu. Um, and so for someone like you that maybe grew up more landlocked, a huge portion, a huge part of the reason that you decided to study marine biology or that you decided to give a crap about the ocean was because of your experiences in zoos and aquaria. Yeah. So it was literally like SeaWorld. And then I loved Corky and Kasaka at SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think it's one of those things where it does provide a lot of value and create a lot of inspiration and that sort of thing, but at what cost, you know? Are we 
gonna ignore all the negative effects that can have on the actual animals that we're all learning to care about. Yeah, I just like, I just, I just feel like sharks, you don't think about. Like clearly, like yeah, obviously everyone cares about dolphins now and sea lions are a bit more. I feel like they also fall into that little gray area where people don't really care or think about it because it's not the dolphin, but sea lions also do horrible in captivity. They have really bad arthritis, they tend to go blind really fast kind of a thing and a lot of times like facilities just have lousy conditions yeah like, or they're packing like hundreds of them in like one small little area yeah like our zoo that I worked at has six now in like the tiniest little enclosure yeah and it's awful but yeah like, I don't know it's it's one of those things and like rescue and rehabilitation is a whole separate thing from that obviously like we had turtles that were deemed unreleasable because they, at least by AZA regulation, they have to have one working front flipper and one working back flipper. Mm -hmm. um, so if they don't have that, then they can't be released. So we have multiple speed, we have multiple turtles that we took in to rescue but could not re-release for those parameters. Um, and so in those senses, it's like, well, is that okay? Yeah. You know, or are we I mean, like, like affecting the food chain in that like sense, you know? If the keeping of animals just purely went towards animals that are bred or rescue, because a lot of people, plus like in, in SeaWorld, a lot of people really have this idea that animals at SeaWorld are rescues. Um, some are. Some are, but like Most someone, not. someone argued with me because I made a dolphin video about dolphin stadium at SeaWorld San Diego mm -hmm. saying that those dolphins are rescued and I went through and I was like Sandy is not rescued Callie is not right Malibu and I went through all their names and I know like the IDs I was like I'm sorry um to burst your most, bubble I would say I if I remember right there's like 15 dolphins in that stadium way too small plus four pilot whales three of the pilots are rescued but the dolphins not rescues mm -hmm. um some of them are still wild caught. Um, a lot are bred from mm -hmm. older dolphins in different facilities yeah. and been traded around. But they, they, they have kind of put this narrative because there is SeaWorld Rescue, which is great. And they do rescue dolphins that a lot of their dolphins that they have are rescues. And yeah. people don't really know their names or how to tell them apart. And so it's kind of like, oh, these must be the rescue dolphins that they couldn't release. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm only familiar with like AZA's requirements for turtles. I've never actually like looked into what's required for cetaceans, but at some point, like, could you rehabilitate those animals back into the wild? You yeah. know, I'm like, sure. I don't know what the technical requirement is, but after a certain number of years, it seems like those dolphins are doing fine. Yeah, and that's the thing is like a lot of pot, like if you can find their pod, even like a deaf animal, you could potentially reintroduce because their family may recognize them and be able to take care of them. I mean, there's a, there's a pod of, I think, I think it's in New Zealand. There's a male killer whale who doesn't even have one of his front flippers or front, his peck. He doesn't mm -hmm. have one of his pecks and he hunts and like literally does everything the same yeah. way. Um, there's a lot of cases of like dolphins and other animals, either adopting other species or their, and their babies have deformalities and they, mm -hmm are functioning they just adapt with the child like how a human would yeah so it's like if 
the, the three pilot whales, I think um, hearing is one of the issues. I don't really remember. It's been a long time since those three joined. Yeah. Um, but they guess whatever they had was unreleasable by AZA standards, but they perform fine. Yeah. When they're using high volume whistles and low volume sounds in the water. So it's like, what's, I don't, I don't remember, but it's always interesting or at least, um, and I think some people have even thought the orcas were rescues. And I was like, SeaWorld has never rescued an orca. Mm -mm. None of their killer whales are rescued. Yeah. At all. And I, I, a really common argument that I hear is, well, if it's bred in captivity, you can't just release it in the wild. And to some degree, I could say that I agree with some of that. Like, I believe that there is some sort of instinct that animals have. Yeah. But to some degree, I could understand that. Um, like part of it, the, the danger of now they're too acclimated to humans. That, too that, acclimated to humans, or just the fact that like they've never had to rely on their own skills or instincts to actually do anything. Yeah. Not to say that those instincts go away, they just maybe don't know how to use them. Yeah. Um, so that argument doesn't bother me quite as much as like, well, they're all adapted <laughs> or rescued. Um, but it is interesting, and I mean, obviously, since everything that's gone down with SeaWorld and stuff, they're not continuing to breed their orcas. Um, but it is one of those, yeah, um, but it is one of those things where it's kind of like, well, is it okay that we continue to breed these animals in captivity? Because I, to propose the question back to sharks, certain species, I don't care if you breed them in captivity. Yeah. You know, um, I still wouldn't want you to like breed a tiger shark in captivity and yeah. then, not that I know if it's ever been done, but I certainly would not want enough. that. I'm sure not. Right. But, or get, they're not able to get to the size, I don't think, where they could even reach sexual maturity. But, um, but in that example, you know, like, I still wouldn't, if it was bred in captivity or not, still wouldn't be okay with it. Yeah. Because of the lifestyle that animal lives. Whereas, yeah. like, an earth shark, sure, whatever. Bamboo shark, sure, whatever. Um, with a little so do we like, do we pull that double standard over to cetaceans? Yeah. Well, you know? then there is the issue with cetaceans. A lot of people argue that they're more intelligent, so keeping them from breeding is hindering on their life. Whatever. And that's kind of like, well, maybe we should just not have them then. I was like, well, um, if we just let them breed, will they? they and the thing is, they've kept some of the animals on birth control for years. Um, like Corky's one at San Diego. She's been on birth control because she never had it. She had seven babies, none lived. So they just kept her on birth control to keep from that. Putting her through the stress of birth. She's fine. Um, and now all the females at that park are on birth control. Um, and they can still technically act out sexual things. Yeah, they can still enjoy it. Yeah, I was like, I wouldn't say that um, because Amaya, she's six now. She'll, she, they could... It, if they were breeding, we very well could have seen her get pregnant in the next year or two, mm -hmm. which is way too young one because female orcas in the wild tend to not even get pregnant till they're in their teens, even though they are reproductive at, at like around seven. Same with the boys. But um, they have gotten juveniles pregnant many times. And then those juveniles don't know how to take care of their babies and the babies die. And so there, well, there's so many arguments that like, there really aren't, I feel like, overarching yes or no's, except maybe the life expectancy that like they mm -hmm. don't live. But even now we're seeing some of them are hitting 
their wildlife expectancies. So that argument's kind of becoming more nuanced as well. Like we are seeing more captive orcas getting closer at least to the ages that we predict that they live in the wild. But it's like, is that life, life worth living? Well, that's, and that's the thing with sharks. It's like people, or even fish, it's like, well, just get them a big enough tank. Well, it's like, but is that even enough? Because it's, it's mm-hmm. just hitting a requirement enough of a, like, excuse, I guess, to keep an animal, to take them from the wild. One, yeah. for our entertainment, for our joy, but also that's affecting biodiversity in the wild. Because mm-hmm. an animal never, may never reproduce in captivity, but in the wild could be adding biodiversity. Right and taking too many from a population can hurt them like the southern residents um it's a big thought this isn't this is controversial some people don't agree but that taking so many of their young in the Puget sound captures has helped not helped hurt and driven them more into um endangerment because they lost biodiversity they lost which makes sense and we don't know as humans which like if you could look into the future and see which shark was not going to survive or not going to reproduce, take that one. Yeah. Like, but okay. we can't do that. We can't look into our crystal ball and pick the perfect specimen. We're just taking whatever one we can get or that we think is the best. Yeah. Same with so like- if anything, we're potentially even affecting like the natural selection within that population because we could be taking the most fit individual without even knowing it. Yeah, and that's, it's like, does that, that hurts wild, even if the population is decently fine, or just, we don't even have data, like, data deficient is a big thing. Oh, yeah. Populations are just data deficient, which then the arguments, should we even take from data deficient? Probably not. Because we could, like, literally be really affecting them and just not. And not know. That was, like, one of, um, that was the argument with the Russian orcas kept, captures. Well, and that's a huge thing with sharks. Yeah. So many species of sharks are extremely data deficient. Because it's a freaking huge ocean. And it's not like a pod where you could like kind of watch and memorize individuals. I mean, you can, you guys do ID programs, but it's still like. But it's very local-esque. Like we, if, and even for our tigers, like once they leave North Shore, we don't see them. So like, like happy whale's global. And I love happy whale. You can upload. Have you heard of happy whale? I have not personally. So it's a humpback whale, like it's a website. So anyone who gets pictures of a humpback whale's flukes. Oh, um, you can load it. Upload it to the website and they'll like match it and be able to tell you exactly where that whale's been. Recently, there was one that hadn't been spotted from the 80s that was spotted, I think, in Hawaii. That Which is awesome. Shot. And that's a global thing, but they don't have like a shark ID program. It's not like we see pizza and then someone's, I don't know where. To yeah, and we've, we've made attempts to sort of like expand that along the North Shore with other brands and, th- and other organizations, but it's hard to do that. Yeah. And we're, ours is slightly more unique in that like the galops, the sandbars don't really leave, leave, but with like our tigers and things, potential that those animals could migrate far, farther away. Yeah. You know, so. The happy tiger website. <laughs> if only. But it's like, it's, and part, I'd say part of that's, there's not the acclaimed love for sharks, like it is the dolphins and the whales, like the huge movements we saw. At least in the same way. Yeah, in the same way. It's getting better, I would say, for sharks. But it's not like when humpback whales were going endangered, it was a huge movement or. Oh, 100%. And when Georgia Aquarium announced like the expansion of their new shark gallery, 
I read through the comments out of curiosity, majority of them were like, oh, so cool. That's crazy. There's a tiger shark. That's awesome. So amazing. I can't wait to go see them. And quite honestly, I don't think I saw more than maybe one or two being like, hey, are we not going to talk about the fact that like some of these sharks travel tens of miles a day? Yeah. Versus like the viral videos of dolphins. I'm pretty, pretty sure like almost every comment, it's generally about how it's awful. Mm-hmm. Even like not even- and Overwhelmingly of, more of a percentage of it. Yeah. Like there was one of um, this couple, this guy was like cartwheeling with a dolphin that went kind of viral. And I think the facility was Clearwater Aquarium, which is a rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were in the comments. Not all of them. Not all of them. There is like the controversy about Clearwater, but- um, there are the like, you but know, majority it started hope and that way, yes, yeah, the hope winter. and the Nicholas winter, winter. Oh my gosh, who am I talking about? I don't know that facility. Yeah, Saint Nicholas winter time, sure. <laughs> there we go. Um, but I think it was that facility, and so there's and that facility does do a lot of good. They're doing expansions right now, and mm-hmm. the comments were all hate. And I was like, even then, I'm like, there are other facilities in Sea World that we can give praise to and support a bit better than others. Um, But yeah, you see a shark. I mean, I do always say like, if sharks are going to be somewhere or if dolphins are going to be somewhere, if they're at the Georgia Aquarium or if they're at like somewhere like SeaWorld, that's a way better facility than like 99% of where they could be. And like Marineland Canada or Marine. Yes. Like they're like, if they're going to be anywhere, I'm glad that they're there and not somewhere else. However, just because it's better for them to be there than anywhere else doesn't necessarily mean that they should be anywhere. Mm-hmm. There, there's also, um, I've heard of this happening at different facilities, that some rays are very sensitive to the water parameters and that mm-hmm. a lot of times zoos will lose like an entire ray population in a night if something goes slightly wrong. And I haven't personally heard a ton about it, I could definitely believe it if they are a more sensitive. Our touch thing at Maizu had like four, so we wouldn't have lost an entire population. We'd lose four. Yeah, um, but still. It is something since I learned that, that I, anytime I see like a really big ray touch tank, one, there's like, okay, do they, if it's just a circle, do they really have anywhere to hide? Generally now they do like sessions of touch, no touch, touch, no touch. Yes. But it's, and the same goes, and even I've now kept fish, any aquarium, something can go wrong overnight and you can come in and everything can be dead. Mm-hmm. Versus, I mean, and that can happen to any animal, like at a zoo, you know, the weather can go crazy, but it's a bit, di- I would say it's a bit more extreme for an aquarium because of the water conditions and how strict you kind of got to keep it. Whereas if it's like a deer enclosure at a zoo, if one of the deer dies, they don't literally infect the entire exhibit. For the most part, yeah, unless there's some crazy thing going on, yeah. You can catch it in the morning and, like, they might leave the animal alone, but, like, when we've had a fish die overnight and we come And it can affect the whole chemistry of the tank. Yeah, and if it's, depending on the species or whatever, it can literally, like, pollute the whole tank. Yeah. And that's something, like, (laughs) was very scary keeping keeping an aquarium. Um, Yeah. Like, when we had those, um, in Hawaii, when we have those hurricane watches, we were so paranoid because also we have such an old campus that sometimes the electricity just goes out. No reason. Yeah. We would just keep bubblers in the tanks and like be super paranoid 
Um, we kind of want to get baby monitors and that when we know there's like a hurricane that we can put them in there and just check up on tanks. To yeah. wrong. And I mean, and that's something that obviously like happened. I'm, I'm sure most facilities have generators and things like that, but it clear, but it obviously still is affecting the animals, yeah. you know, like um, most really good facilities. Have yes. Been. Like SeaWorld has night trainers that stay overnight and watch generally. Yeah. But yeah, there's all these. Yeah. Things. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely something to think about. And I think honestly, it's just hard because it's, how do we, it's always easier to say all or nothing. Yeah. You know, that's an easier answer to give people. So I think it is hard when you start to kind of get in this gray area of like, how we communicate communicate with the public why they should be upset about these things but not these things you know like i'm going to tell you you shouldn't have these sharks in captivity but then why can i have these ones and to us as scientists the answer seems very like duh this is why but to the normal person who probably can't tell a tiger shark from a zebra shark if you ask them to that's something that's not as easy to do or is not as obvious of a distinction yeah but so many nuances which i enjoy but it's an interesting topic to talk about and to sort of like think about and think through because it's something that isn't very like black and white you know yeah and that's what i that's why i like talking about it with people is it's like one it's engaging of like your brain is that some people really are just black and white and it's like mm -hmm. Let's talk about the gray area. And I have friends that love captivity and promote it and support it and want to work in it. And then I have friends that are literally so anti-captivity that I like hide that I would catch animals for my Yes. <laughs> because they will post stuff like, if you even catch saltwater animals, like, or contribute to this trade at all, you're... It's the people that are mad at me for holding an octopus versus, yeah. like, the people that go and swim with dolphins for fun that in captivity. Dolphins, yeah, that, like, are chasing the pot of dolphins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, okay, like, thank you. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just funny. And, like, especially um, with so many different species, it's, it's funny to see how people interact with things like holding an octopus or like starfish. I've had people not, no one's ever messaged me about the starfish, but I've had my friends get messaged. Like, like it's a starfish. It doesn't have a brain. You shouldn't be manhandling that, that starfish. You should put it down. And I was like, it doesn't okay. have a brain. Um, no, I understand. I love the energy we're bringing that you love. <laughs> this is a great, I love the starfish love. I love it. But, but I'm just here to kind of share that like this really, um, you can feel however you want to feel about it, but I'm just saying it is very different than um, picking, like grabbing a fish, which you don't do, but like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Holding an urchin, holding a starfish, putting a starfish on your chest. Um, there, you know, I'm not like, am I being gentle? Yes, I don't want to hurt this animal. I don't want to like- Other people might not be, obviously. I yeah. did, when I was in Big Island, I did, <laughs> I picked up a, there were so many collector urchins by where the mantas are. So I picked one up because, you know, can't help. Because, you know, have to. I have to. And I was bringing it up to the, the surface um, and I go slow. Like that's, there are, once you kind of understand the animals, I would say there are proper ways to handle them. If yes, you, for sure. Wouldn't just encourage anyone to be like, oh my gosh. Oh but, yeah, no. And I think that's another thing too is like, and I get where people are coming from where they're like, you could encourage people to 
like you might know what you're doing, but you might encourage people that don't to also do this bad behavior kind of thing, which I totally understand. And that's why most of the time I put a disclaimer, like, Hey, if you don't know what you're doing, maybe don't. Yeah. But yeah, I brought this, this urchin up and I was trying to like, I was like, Hey, you guys want to like, if you don't hold it correctly, it will kill you. Even if it will. <laughs> I was like, do you guys want to try holding it to my family? Cause they've never like really Senior, had that. Yeah. You poke the top, but I was like, hold it. And my aunt, was so scared and kept like dropping it and when I went to put it back down it did end up it's semen out and that's how you know they're stressed and I've never had a sea urchin do that and I was like I'm so sorry little man like like, you'll make more (laughs) and I put him underneath something so he could really anchor and I was like I just definitely you out because of my family that was yeah and I mean it happens and I think it's one of those things where like there were also like 200 in his 10 feet diameter so I was like I don't feel that yeah good. and it's a little bit like well it's a sea urchin yeah and it's they die all the time they're in they like so many things eat them your population's fine no shade I've yeah. saved a few sea urchins from wrasses you know? I'm doing my part I'm balancing it out it just it just expelled its reproductive juice a little too early and who yeah. knows maybe some other female in the area will pick it up yeah maybe but that was like, yeah. And that's, well, that's like the only time I feel like I felt like kind of guilty for handling yeah. an invert where I'm like, I definitely could have not been passing this around to people who were going to scream and throw it. Yeah. Um, um, it happens. But definitely very different than like hold, like chasing upon a dolphins or mm-hmm. harassing a wild animal or, yeah. and then same with like when you're in captivity, the keeping of a like cat shark is very different than the tiger shark yeah or the great white versus the nurse like all that there is a difference and I respect the people who don't believe there is and just think it's all bad but I respectfully but I think at some point too like it's about that compromise you know like I'm a firm believer of you're never going to reason with anyone presenting a one-sided argument or at least not like compromising to any degree or at least appealing to what they believe in you know like we are never going to make steps forward in getting certain sharks or certain species of any animal out of captivity if we don't acknowledge like hey you people that are making money off of this facility or whatever it is you can still have this and this but please give us this back yeah what's like um... and that's never going to work I, if we come at them like, you can't have anything, you need to close, that kind of yeah, thing. It's like, I, I, I don't like encouraging the boycott on my page, mostly because I do have a lot of followers that like SeaWorld, and I do, and other facilities that I'm just like, I don't want to produce, I don't want to promote a boycott, because one, I, I know that there is a gain in boycotting, but it would, <laughs> when it comes to SeaWorld, I would really love more to see that they just truly switch everything to education and phase mm-hmm. out all their citations. And that really comes down to that they've done that with orcas. It's, it's educational shows and no breeding, but not dolphins and dolphins. It's still a show show where they get in the water yeah. and no education. And I would love to see a push where they want to expand those tanks because their dolphin tanks are atrocious, but do an educational show and stop getting in the water with them and do the same thing they're doing with the killer whales. And the best way to like work with these companies 
isn't by promoting boycotts. Like, I want that if I ever come to them with a really detailed... It's more like, hey, this is what upsets me about your company. This is why I'm not giving you business. Here's what I would give you business for. Yeah, like, I went to SeaWorld to do Orc Encounter, and I will, like, I've been multiple times since they've launched Orc Encounter because I wanted to see it, and I wanted to experience it, and I Mm -hmm. miss those whales, and it's very hard for me to stay away because I love them so much. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people end up staying, you know. There's, I know tons of people that don't like SeaWorld, but like can't imagine not going at least once a year because they just love to sit and walk. I can literally sit underwater viewing area all day long, go up and do a show, and then come back down. Come and back. Sit yeah. And my family's like, okay, we're not hanging I don't want to do that. We're going to go see everything else. And I'm like, I don't care. I will spend money on the orcas. I will spend money. I'll sit and talk to trainers. I had friends that were trainers because I mm-hmm. went there so regularly. And I talked a lot and I was just like, hey, like, how's this one doing? Can I come up here and look? And la, la, la. Mm-hmm. Um, and they knew. I kind of was like, yeah, I don't love it, but I like talking and learning about the individuals. And I would like to see solutions. And, like, if you were going to put these animals in sea pens, SeaWorld should be a part of that equation. And your trainers mm-hmm. should be the ones going. And a lot of people just think they can just take those animals out of SeaWorld and give them to all new Yeah, it's, it's like, not as easy as it... Uh as it appears on paper. Yeah, they're bonded with trainers. They're mm-hmm. bond like that company knows those animals and and yeah. like a shark's very different in terms of instinct. Yeah, but it's still the same idea of like finding that sort of middle ground, you yeah. know, understanding that we can't just flat out be like so sad, too bad, Release. get rid of all of it. And like I said, like I still am a firm believer in the fact that aquaria and zoos do provide a really valuable educational opportunity. Um, but you know, it's finding that sort of balance. Another issue with boycotting is sometimes facilities won't do what we want them to do. So we think boycotting is going to get them to release the animals, but a lot of times they may sell or trade mm-hmm. or send to another, like SeaWorld is two other facilities. If one shuts down, they can send them or they can send them. There is this big fear that if SeaWorld did shut down, they could send their them to Asia animals. or Yep, to Asia. They couldn't in California. There are bans in California for moving cetaceans out of the state. But the San Antonio and Orlando Park, legally, they could, if China, like, if they went out of business and they wanted to make some last money, they could sell and send the animals to one of the many facilities opening in China. That are much worse off than... That are new and new facilities don't do as well even when they have like usually when a new facility opens they'll have like an ex-trainer from another facility come and teach them all but like mm-hmm. it's all new the tank is new those animals are generally new to a captivity and so that's scary yeah. um some of them are mammal eating which we're not really used to either because we used to we keep residents in our parks um yeah. and there's like all those things and like same could happen with the sharks is they think that shutting down an aquarium is going to get them to release everything but generally they just sell mm-hmm. or things get put down yeah and that's the other sad part and quite frankly with sharks i guarantee they would probably if they couldn't sell them lean more towards that option of just getting rid of them instead of releasing them and it wouldn't be probably in an ethical way it wouldn't be like a gentle clove oil death it would be pop on the head a, a bullet like Tiger King for sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so. also why I, I, also, I don't love encouraging boycotts because I'm scared of that happening. Yeah, and I think that's a reasonable thing to bring up, you know, is finding like, okay, well, if we think that this is the answer, what are the consequences of that? Yeah. 
and some people. And so I think that's why kind of that middle ground is a little bit better of an option, you know. If you don't want to go, don't go. If you mm-hmm. want to go, go. Maybe go with the mind knowing, like maybe if before you go to SeaWorld, I would advise watching Blackfish. I don't think Blackfish is a perfect movie, no. but I think it's good to kind of get the idea. It's really emotional and brings it's in a super lot. bias, but like yeah. it does bring a, a bring another viewpoint to the table. I yeah. think that's the important part with watching anything, whether you, you just can't believe everything for face value. Like the Cove Cowspiracy, I watched, I've watched like vegan documentaries. I'm not full vegan. I was at one mm-hmm. point. I'm not anymore just because I can't do it. Yeah. But, like, I'm, but yeah, it's that sort of thing. It's like understanding maybe the impact that you are creating and how to minimize that to whatever level you want to. Yeah. And there is an argument about like your money is demand you buying a ticket to one of these places is demand that they stay mm-hmm. open totally understand that and i understand that's why we boycott and i boycott a lot of things i don't buy a lot of things from yeah companies um but like again i think it's different with a big company that's also funded by like shipping and airplanes and mm-hmm. like and like maybe something that has literally nothing to do with you and your ticket price you yeah know? Well, like my bank i found out that i use um funds fracking I don't like that, but I can't just, I can up and switch my bank, but I can't, you know what I mean? Like, it's a long process. It's not yeah. something that you can just do overnight. Yeah. I learned about, it's one of those things like you could be buying something like maybe shopping at, oh, I know one, PCC on, on Oahu. They are, they are buddies with SeaWorld. So yes. you're affiliated going to PCC. You're kind of supporting this like family that supports one Sea Life, we know, Sea Life Park. That's there. Yes. Terrible don't go there. Um, to people listening, I would say don't go to school. I have a friend that's starting to work there. I love, I know people work there. I'm not going to say anything too awful, but I'll say I would that like to switch her over to the other side. My, my coworker has gone and she had seen a lot of their fish were, had like really bad ick and stuff like that. And like, not just because of cetaceans, just overall yeah. the facility sounds a bit shady, but people do work there, you know, um, all but, jobs are important. Oh, yeah. But like, they support SeaWorld. You could like work. It's like, what is it? FedEx was doing stuff with shark fins. Yeah, they still actively ship fins around the world. Yeah. And some people may not boycott FedEx because they either don't know, but they are like, oh, shark finning's bad. Or but, they're going to choose that that's not the battle they want to fight. Yeah. Same like Amazon, stuff Which like that. Which is fair. Listen, you can't, like, I'm a firm believer as a conservationist. Like, I'm not perfect. I cannot mentally or physically tackle every single issue that has to be affected. Yeah. I'm, do uh, I wish that I had like spaghetti octopus arms that could do everything? Yeah, but I don't. And so I have to pick and choose the ones that I feel are the most important. Yeah. Well, that's like, uh, I'm an eco hypocrite. I use Amazon sometimes. I don't love yeah. it. But I'm not at a point where I can't really. Yeah. Um, like all that kind of stuff I'm it's not like I still drive a car I'm sorry I don't just ride my bike everywhere but I try and go everywhere at once I'm so sorry I can't drive electric yeah like, I just but, but yeah it's, I mean it's the same idea and it's just finding that I think it's important the more we can educate people like with this sort of platform or with anything so that people have a wider understanding of both sides of the argument and then finding that sort of common middle ground or compromise yeah and always doing the thing that feels best for you. Like, I don't like boycotting, but I know lots of people that do. 
good. That's great. They're, I think that's great. I'm not saying I think anyone who promotes boycotting is wrong at all. I just think, like, for me, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. For other people, they think, like, they promote to go. Yeah. It's like, that's, it's all individual. What makes you feel, I feel like, makes what helps you sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's a good conversation to have and to continue to have. I agree. And I think everyone should have these conversations. Because <laughs> they're one fun. Um, and it could probably lead to some fun debates as well. For sure. Which I think is, yeah. So yeah, well, anything else? No, I mean, if anyone wants to read the blog or anything, I'll give the links to Kendra so she can put them in the description. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have one just on generically, like the concept of captivity in general. Then I have another one more specifically on sharks and the actual opening of the Georgia Aquarium. So if you guys want to read those, I'll give them to Kendra so she can link them. And then um, I'm always happy to come back again. So yes. And now I'll I'll know if you want to see more. Yeah. Send me an email to the intertitle talks email address. We want more Taylor and (laughs) or just send us DMs and be like, you guys should do more because we could literally talk about anything. Oh yeah. Like me and Kendra could talk forever. (laughs) We can talk about pizza for like all the most rambunctious sharks for a few hours. (laughs) You can just share stories. For sure. The most intense. But awesome. Right. Thank you. This has been a great pleasure. Yeah. One to share stories, but also to talk to you again. For sure. From an ocean away. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We can't wait to see you for the next one.